Bruce Pascoe. Hello. How are you going? This is your place. Yeah. Yeah, it's a um, funny old joint. When we decided that we would have to grow our food in order to convince Australia that Aboriginal people were actually involved in this, um, we didn't have any land. So uh, this is the cheapest farm in Gippsland. And this is the one I got. But actually, I knew this place because I've always been on this river. Tell us about the river. Oh, it's the Wallagara. Um, means scrub worm. You know, it doesn't sound terribly romantic, but there's a story behind the scrub worm, of course, about country. And uh, this river here joins up with the Jinnor, the river that means the foot. And of course, it doesn't mean the foot either. It's a much bigger story than that. And it meets the Maramingo, which is the one behind that hill over there. They all come together. Maramingo is a fishing spear. Um, but it's a more complicated story than that as well. But all of these three rivers come together. They used to um, run cattle here, didn't they? Yeah. I sold all the cattle. I'm thinking of getting a few back. But we wanted to give the country a rest. And, mm. you know, she just responded so strongly to having a rest from those hard feet. You know, we're growing the grass here now and we can, you know, walk around and have a look. But I'm, I'm so happy the way the house has come up because mm. there's a bit of structural stuff had to be done, a lot of painting. And now I'm at the stage where I'm buying... you got furniture bits there. And, <laughs> <laughs> we've got chairs, you know, like... Um, for a long time, I had nothing here. Um, I had two old chairs there I found at the tip and that table, and that's all I had for months. Right. Tell us the, the name of the place. It's Yombra. It means black duck. And I asked uh, all the elders around here, Uncle Snappy, Uncle Max, Uncle Oz, all of the people who have authority, and I, I said, it didn't have a name. Uh, I said, I want to call it black duck, after Ewan black duck. <laughs> and um, a lot of people say... Umbra. But Snappy Griffiths, when he came here, he said, nah, it's Yombara. It's got that uh, Y sound in the front of it, but it's really an N-G-Y. Like Yombara. It's almost silent. but it, a, breath, it, a breath of a Y. Yeah, it's just, it is. It's a very breathy sound. And um, that's who she is, the old black duck. She's such a gentle, gentle creature. But our neighbours, the Gunai, they're blue ring. You know, there's nothing quite as gentle or as weightless as a blue ring. And when you think about all the symbols of Aboriginal people around, you know, like one of the lads behind me now working in that garage, his people are beetles. You know, the little tiny beetle. You know, we don't have lions and tigers, heraldic eagles, and, you know, we're, and we're blue rings. I umpired a game of footy. And one of the teams was the Gunai team, and they had a little a blue wren and an emu wren on their jerseys, you know. So it was so ironic, you know. You felt like going, "Can the wrens, can the wrens," <laughs> you know. But that's what our people are. Our people are extraordinarily different in uh, psychology, I think, the way we think of ourselves. Like Darug people call themselves Darug, and it means yam daisy. What have we got growing in front of us? Well, 
there's a lot of Kaikuyu here because it's an old dairy farm. Mm. But we've been promoting this grass here. This is Microlinus depoides. I only knew it as a, a Latin name, Microlinus depoides, because in all the uh, journals of explorers and so-called pioneers, what a horrible name to use in Australia, they talk about Microlinus depoides, and I'd never seen it until I came here. This is lovely, Mamaja Naluk. And when there's a bit of a wind blowing, that whole hillside will move because of this grass. Its common name is weeping grass, but we call it dancing grass, Mamaja Naluk, uh, because it dances in the wind. It's truly beautiful to see a field of it mm. uh, moving around in the breeze. But There's a wonderful lightness to the... Yeah, we like using language, but... Only a week ago, we thought we weren't going to get enough of this to crop, but Terry Hayes up the back here, his family name is Mumbala, uh, such a wonderful, strong family. But Terry went over some parts of the farm and picked off the uh, sweet vernal mm. with the top of the slasher, just clipping it. And what's happened is that the stipoides is coming up through it beautifully we'll get a crop out of this we never thought we would and what do you do with that we mill it and turn it into flour and bake bread with it one of the things we're going to do on saturday is that there's a local brewery makes a beer called dark emu as fate would have it we supply part of the grain that they use in that production so the stuff down over there near the stockyards that you can see there's been slashed we picked that up last night Yep. Uh, stuck it in a bale, and um, uh, that'll be part of the, the shipment we send up to Warbost on uh, Saturday morning. And that beer is going to go to Japan. Dark emu. There's a complicated story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this gets to the heart of your, your black duck project. Mm. Indigenous plants yeah. on this, this country, sustainable, a soft touch. Perennial. The really huge thing about them is they're perennial and they sequester carbon as a result. You know, the, the root of this plant here will always be there. You know, it might renew itself, but basically that root system will be reinvaded by new plants, but its structure stays there. It'll sequester carbon forever on this land. And we had a soil scientist do soil samples here. He wanted to show us the soil profile and so we were looking through the profile so the first um, inch and a half is full of great big chunks of carbon and he was looking at it from a fertility point of view we were looking at it and Terry was there from history so you've got 200 years of big carbon meaning bushfire and then you've got thousands of years of very fine carbon grass fire slow grass fire so this grass that's always been here would have been gently burnt by the old people so that you could walk through the fire just keep control of it you might have a gum branch you're just sweeping one edge here to keep it under control but the old people had a mathematical formula for it of when to burn that is your 
Uh, you wait until the, the wind, the north wind turns around to the west and then when you have three consecutive days of dew, then you burn. So it's about gentleness again. Yeah. And the sad thing about that, the old man who gave that formula to the farmer was giving it to the man who'd murdered his family. And yet, his love for country was so great that he could not bear to see the country not being looked after. So he, would, he turned to his perpetrator and he said, this is how you will have to burn this country, like this. So he's done that for the man who he should have hated. And a, a duty, I guess, a duty to that country. Massive, massive duty. And it's all about responsibility. You know, people sort of talk lightheartedly about Aboriginal law. Um, you know, oh, you know, there's no law left. There's no, there's no well, there's bloody law here, all right. But I tell you what, um, you don't talk about it, but it's all about care and it's all about responsibilities. None about rights. No one has rights. Um, we've got too many bloody rights. I'm so glad that those fellas who we just saw over there uh, want to commit their lives to this. Well, that's the project here, isn't it? Is is a long-term thing of, of yeah. this restoration, which will take a while. Yeah. If you look back um, onto that hillside there, mm. you can see a slightly more open forest. Well, these fellas here did that. So... We've reduced the density of that part of the forest there by a third. My son did this one here, so that also had about a third taken out of it. Whereas the, the bush over there is so volatile because all those trees are so close together. So we'll probably take another third out of these two portions of bush here. And, but the project's not complete for 70, 100 years because those trees that remain there now have got to get big. Uh, we don't want a, a forest to remain like that. We want fewer and bigger trees. So therefore we've got to commit to when those fellas' great-grandchildren are grown up and making the decisions. It's something we just have to commit to if we want the bush to be safer and more productive. Back of the house there, you've got an enclosed area. What's, what's in there? Oh, that's, they're our gardens. That was one, the first thing I built here. Um, and Mundabar built it, the uh, Aboriginal building group from Eden, uh, twofold. Um, we built those cages so that we could grow enough of our, of those bulbine lilies and the myrnong without interference from, you know, wombats, lyrebirds, yeah. galahs, you name it kangaroos, wallabies, pigeons, you know, they were all into it. So we thought, we need a lot of seed in a hurry. So we, we built those, and um, they're chock-a-block with plants now. Um, and this is probably going to be our best seed season. Uh, it's just started now, the Murnong mm -hmm. are seeding. These bulbines have got seed on them. Yep. And that is going to give us... a. Uh, a real stock of seed so that we can help other Aboriginal communities sow their gardens down. You know, it'll be a joy for us to bring our seed out of these gardens and take it to other South Coast people and say, you want some plants? Here we go. This is um, Scabagera, Microceros Scabagera. Look at the little flower in there. 
Oh, yeah. But see the way these are starting to go across each other? Yeah. We have had to weed this pretty intensively, but that's about to stop because those four plants are now a nest of leaves and they'll be uh, keeping themselves weed free. And what, what's the use? Are they a tuber? Or? Tuber. Yep. They're too young to lift at the moment, but we've got um, a, a tool. We make our own digging sticks the old, like the old people did and we stick it in the ground, lift that plant up, select the tubers, press it back down. Do you select then the, the larger of the tubers or what's, yeah. what's the process there? The uh, different varieties require different treatment, but in general terms, you're taking the young one. Often three, sometimes four, sometimes more. But for Murnong, for instance, we say uh, grandmother, mother and child. They're the three tubers and you take the child. You put mother back in because huh. grandmother, she's nearly all, all gone, but mother's still got a bit of juice in her and she'll grow again. We, we're just selecting the young ones and I, they're so beautiful to eat and the other day we were eating, uh, what's the name of that orchid, um, purple diurus, quite a rare plant and people are going to be shocked to hear that I ate it but it is growing profusely where it grows so I dug up a plant and I selected both the, the mother and the, the baby. The baby was like eating champagne you know so crisp and beautiful and the mother was real pasty you know real starchy um not unpleasant but not 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 as juicy as is the that other one. is that uncooked or is that how do you prepare i just ate it raw yeah, yeah. but you could do what um you could use it in a salad uh the the murnong we can uh you can fry this is a really favourite place for me here now, this one. This is Bulbine bulbosa. Now, we don't know whether those plants we've got off this property are bulbosa, but these ones were given to us by uh, Peter Cooley from La Perouse. And um, Peter uh, said, these are definitely bulbosa. These are the ones that the old people ate. We're yet to prove whether they... Uh, bulbosa as well but these ones are so this plant there look we've already got seed on it this one's pretty vigorous and because of um, COVID they stayed in a cardboard box through uh, thanks to Australia Post for a fortnight <laughs> and they came out pretty sick okay uh, but anyway right. <laughs> we stuck them in the ground and um, they're fantastic and wow. Then a, a week later, another box turned up and they hadn't been in the post for that long. So we planted them somewhere else. But we, we're going to get a good result out of this. Even since yesterday, this has got a lovely flower head coming on it. Big chunky leaves. Next year, they'll be mm. three times that size and uh, we'll be able to start to crop next year. The leaves of the lilies, and especially the, the sort of the two-year-old and so mm. on, they've got a, so much, they're really solid, almost an yeah. aloe kind of feel yeah. to them. Yeah, they're a, they're a great plant. Uh, and it's a thrill to be involved with them because I, I knew nothing about those lilies. Mm. Really didn't know anything. I knew people ate them. I didn't know how. I didn't know what part of it they ate. And we, we're starting to... What was your sort of journey of discovery there? I uh, just... Look, I'm a 
I'm a reader, so I, I read these things and I read, you know, for instance, that there was a sorghum growing in the Bega Valley that old Aboriginal people used to eat. Um, so I just asked around amongst the community, anyone know anything about this sorghum? No, no, wouldn't know what that was. Keep on asking, ah, oh, yeah. You know, my old man used to crop that. You know, when they were picking beans there, we used to find that sorghum there. So they were harvesting beans for a white farmer, but taking the taking the sorghum home themselves. And oh, it's just a great story. And everybody wins. And that there's a green paddock over there beyond the uh, the river, and. The people who own that now can tell stories of the uh, Aboriginal people who were employed to pick peas on that place. And um, I just love that story, you know, because they were that Aboriginal family completely independent, weren't living in terrific conditions, but they were independent. And that's their job was to pick uh, vegetables. And mm. so they... 30 years, 40 years after the invasion, they'd reorganised themselves into a viable economic unit. You've got to admire the ability to transform yourself to that degree and to do it with such grace and success. But that's part of your, your black duck vision, is it not? It's to provide yeah, the well, seed, this, provide the plants? This is, this is for... This is for everyone, really, you know, like we inevitably we're going to share this with non-Aboriginal people and we wouldn't want to not share it because that's that's the responsibility that we have. Uh, we have everybody on the country has to be involved with country. That's the ethic. But we, we want to share it with everyone. But most of all, we really want our people to be independent, to be economically independent, making money off traditional knowledge and independent of government you know I, I say to the young fellows who come and work out here I say you know the most pride you can ever have is n never to have to ask government for anything never go to Centrelink and have to beg you know the kind of begging people have got to do there is just shocking and I you know I, I've had to do it on behalf of other people who couldn't read and write it's 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 a shaming experience. So I don't want our people to have to be shame again. It's the better way. Yeah, working in the paddock, making food, is the best thing I can think of. Not everyone can make a living out of writing books, Jonathan. Um, you know, Roy and HG would say that's bludgeoned on the blind side. But, um, you know, writing books is hard work, but you've got to want to do it, and not everyone wants to. Other people want to make food, other people want to fix cars, other people want to sell hardware. Um, as long as we can all do what we want to do and contribute, and I'm, I'm only talking about Aboriginal people, you know, or cook, or just wash dishes and go surfing. I don't care what it is as long as you're doing it and you don't have to beg government to allow you to do it. Bruce, it's been a, a privilege to see your place. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And now we're, we're visited by my granddaughter's duck. Shaking her tail feather. Well, it's quacky, you know, and um, 
The sad thing about Quacky, he's a boy and he has just displayed his boyness rather profligately. These are a COVID gift to ourselves, these ducks, and they've been total entertainment. And t- tomorrow I'm letting them out into the big garden so they can go and get a few slugs. So it's, it's all joy. Go wild, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they will. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.